Welcome to Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murdoch Show and Podcast. We hope that by the end of our show, you're left feeling empowered, motivated, and connected. So come on in the room, grab your favorite drink, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Because you're finally at home at Kiever's Place. Now give it up for our host and producer, Coach Kiever Lernice Murdoch. Hello, 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 fam. Welcome to Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murdoch Show and Podcast. I am your host and producer, Coach Kiever Lernice Murdoch. And for those of you who are just joining us, this is Kiever's Place, where we have authentic conversations in an atmosphere that feels like home. If you are watching us live, we always invite you to engage with us. We want to know where you're watching us from. So let us know. Chime in if you are enjoying our conversation tonight. I want to hear from you. So we ask that you drop those comments so we can engage together. Together. I would greatly appreciate that. If you happen to catch the replay, go ahead and hit that hashtag, hashtag replay. So we'll know that, A, you are loving us as much as we are loving you. So tonight we have a amazing show. We have a, a, a phenomenal guest. Not only that, he's very inspirational. So I want to invite you to go ahead and gather around all of your friends, even your children even those who may be going through some issues right now, this is the show that you want them to be a part of tonight because I know that they're going to find value and they're going to learn something from this young man that I have the honor and the privilege to have in the house tonight. So let me just tell you a little bit about him. So our guest tonight is Vikram Singh Rocky Kendola. He's 36 year old. He's a successful Indian businessman. He was born in the in the beautiful city of New York City. I want to hear more about that. And he currently lives in Los Angeles. He owns and runs a successful showroom in Beverly Hills. He's an ex-felon as well as a philosophy graduate, both from the state of Alabama. He spent his high school life in nine different facilities, schools, and boot camps around the world. He was dealt with a lot of trauma and has survived to tell us about it today. So let's go ahead and dive into the life and triumphant of Rocky Candola. So welcome, Rocky. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you for having me today. Listen, I'm super excited to have you here. We are going to have a great conversation. But before we dive into it, I just read just a snippet of your background. So tell our viewers a little bit more about you. Yeah, um, so the snippet is is tough uh, because it, it gives little bullet points on a, on a long and, uh, you know, kind of crazy life. Starting back before, uh, you know, the societal age of having control over it. Uh, coming up all the way until a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, my childhood was, you know, boot camps, military schools, all around the country, as you said, and as well as different places in the world. Um, and then, you know, moving on from there, kind of hop right into the adult uh, crazy world. And, uh, you know, that kind of led me down a path that eventually, you know, was violence, drugs, guns, prison, women, parties, um, until about 10 years ago when I started Possibly, I like to say unconsciously sometimes uh, because back then I really wasn't so conscious of it. Um, however, I, I was being guided, you know, at a certain point then uh, that led me to the ability to be now more aware of the, the decisions I make and the people around me and how that affects my future as well as those around me. 
You know what? And that's a great point because it is your, I'm a firm believer that the company you keep also influences your thoughts, your behavior and everything around you. And I, that's just something that I preach all the time, you know, to reevaluate that inner circle. And that can actually relate, relate to personal relationships as well as business relationships. Right. Yeah, definitely. I believe it's, it's not even something uh, in my opinion, you know, anymore that is like, whether it's a belief or not, Uh, no matter how strong you are, no matter who you are, um, if you're continuously keeping certain energies or certain vibes or certain mindsets around you, you know, good or bad, you're going to eventually become somewhat at least a product of those, you know, energies, beliefs, and mindsets. That's exactly right. Right. I just want to thank um, our viewers that are currently engaging with us. Jamika Burgess says he's also an ex-felon. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, Jamika. I greatly appreciate that. So let's Let's revert back for a moment. You said that you've been in nine different facilities, schools, boot camps, and then prison. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I guess uh, the only place to start is the beginning, right? Um, between, uh, you know, the ages of like, you know, one and, and maybe uh, seven to eight, um, my family was in New York. My father was a, a new physician and, you know, working on getting his degree and getting his, you know, business set up. Um, you know, close to New York and in, in Ohio, where we had, you know, somewhat of an Indian culture and family around. Um, I don't really remember too much of that time. However, I've recently been speaking to my mother a lot, which uh, the cause of that is because I've, I have become more aware. And I've learned that a lot of the stuff as adults that we continue the patterns of started back then. Um, and my mom was basically explaining how I was like, I never wanted her out of my sight, you know, and there's a lot of things going on. My brother and sister were born, babysitters, my father's business. Um, so that was kind of like the the framework for moving down south to Mississippi. My family took the, my father took the family down there, um, which was you know kind of isolated from the rest of the the culture and community as far as Indian goes. Um, once down there, I, I quickly kind of excelled in all my classes. I was in gifted programs. I would finish my test before the teacher even handed it out to the whole class. I would turn it in and kind of have straight A's with everything. Um, and that quickly, you know, got me wanting to explore and, and test the boundaries of what else is out there, as well as in the classrooms. And it started kind of a path of like a little bit of rebelliousness in me. Um, by the time I was, I'd say 11, um, is when my parents started to notice, you know, through their friends and through people that they talked to, um, things, you know, within me that they didn't really want and wanted to try to fix it. Um, so that's when I started getting sent around to different places. The first place was India. Um, I believe I was maybe 11, maybe 12 years old. Um, my father took me to the airport and took me to India and showed me an apartment. And in my little 12 year old mind, I was like, there's no way, there's no way he's going to drop me off here. He's not going to just leave me here. But the last day came and he said goodbye. And all of a sudden I was, you know, a young kid in India. And, um, it sounds like a, a punishment almost, but honestly, I look back at those memories as like really fond times. There was no kind of like uh, authority figure or structure there. It was just kind of more like, hey, you're here in India, you know, live, play tennis, go to school, do your thing. Um, but it did kind of set the groundwork for a pattern in my life, which was six months here, six months there, six months here, six months there. So after, you know, which India could be a whole a discussion, a session of like, you know, what what it means for a child to be there away from his family, as well as what a child can learn and do at that point when he's, there's no other choice. Um, but kind of like to summarize, moving on from there, when I got back to the U.S., um, I was definitely more of a, had more of a rebellious nature, because seeming so, seemingly so. 
because I had experienced the world alone and I, and I felt like an adult, you know, independent. And so I didn't want to have any restrictions, whether from teachers or my parents put on me. And that started taking the form of, you know, talking back to my parents um, in schools at that age. I didn't really get in as much trouble. Um, you have to think I was a, a young, brown, tall, outspoken kid in Mississippi in 1990. Um, so most teachers and most authority figures just took me in general as a threat. The way I was able to speak, the way I was able to handle classes and, and everything as, as well. Um, and that was, you know, I was put in boxes in first grade in the same classroom as other people were because other people were trying to cheat off my test or make eye contact with me. But, you know, as a kid, you're not really sure what's going on. As an adult, looking back and kind of analyzing that, you're like, okay, I see where this pattern, you know, has led me down my life. Um, so I started sneaking out my father's car and eventually at 11, 12 years old, and that wound me in my first boot camp. These uh, boot camps, I've spoke extensively about them and me and a group of people have like, you know, done our best to, to reach out to, um, you know, our local, you know, authorities and, and you know, file cases and things. But basically it's called a Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs. Uh, you are waking up from your bed around 3 a.m. in your parents' house with handcuffs on your ankles as well as your feet by, you know, tall men that are barely able to fit inside your room. Uh, you're then whisked away to another place, another country. Uh, for me, it was Mexico. Um, once you go behind the main doors there, you know, you're told that you're in a program. You're not going to get out until, you know, you finish it. You might not get out till 18. It takes an average from like two to five years. They shave your head, take your clothes. Um, and the abuse starts basically from hour one for everything from like yelling and cursing kind of boot camp style, banging pots and pans to sleeping in the hallway on the ground to actual physical abuse, uh, sexual abuse, uh, but the main thing, which me and my group that has been there, we call each other survivors of these programs, um, is the mental, the mental games and the brainwashing, um, which is, you know, intense. Uh, once again, that could be a whole another, you know, program just to really dive deep into that. Uh, that was one of two facilities I went to that were the exact same uh, with different management. Uh, so one went to Mexico when I was 12 and the next one was in on the border of Canada when I was closer to 17, where I actually graduated with a fake high school diploma because um, these, you know, for-profit schools are not usually accredited. They were basically manipulating and lying to the parents about a lot of things, which, you know, has finally came to light in the recent years. That's yeah. a lot to unpack. Wow. That's, that's quite a bit, but l let me just back up a little bit because it sounded like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Rocky, it sounded like as smart as you were and as gifted as you were and as talented as you were, some of those behaviors could have been triggered from, triggered from just boredom. Because I know that being um, accelerated in your classes and your certain grade levels, and, you know, I haven't had the extreme experience as you have. However, I have found myself being bored in a lot of classes, which if you've already done all of your assignments and all of that, then of course you're going to entertain yourself, right? <laughs> so it sounds like some of your issues probably stem from boredom or just not being challenged enough. Do you think that your parents kind of missed the mark not to, you know, talk negatively about them, but you know, when you're starting a career, when you're starting a company, and then you have this child that's not really following in the footsteps that you want them to go, sometimes you really just don't have the energy to really 
focus on that individual and redirect in that way, if I'm making sense. So do you kind of feel like they kind of dropped the ball and not really giving you that um, that uh, educational challenge that you were looking for? Yeah, so, and this is a, a journey for all of us, right? We, we, we grow, we, we have realizations, then we sometimes realize those were wrong and we come back again. For me, yeah, I definitely had a stage where I was angry at my parents and thinking, you know, it was them, them, them. As I've grown and as I've, you know, become more conscious and, and learning and, and growing and wanting to share that with people, um, I started focusing more and understanding that, um, as you said, boredom, not being challenged enough, um, these are being too outspoken, um, you know, being too articulate, being even in a certain sense that the society would see it as aggressive, an aggressive child. I believe these are these are indicators of you know actually good things. You know, children should want to explore. They should want to push the boundaries. They should want. Um, they should be bored. They should be wanting for more and more challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I've grown, I I love my parents and they did you know everything they could. However, if there was a for lack of a better word, blame towards placing it, um, I would say it's society. Um, you know, I would say it's, and as we've seen over the years and over the years has gone along. Um, you know, especially for, for young men and especially for physically, you know, imposing young men, it's, it's been more like an equation of harmless equals good. And, you know, I simply, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that, you know, the, the whole point of like what good is, is, you know, having the capability of, you know, doing other things that might not be considered as good. However, you know, basically keeping your sword sheath, not doing those things, but having the capability. And, you know, as young men, the society that, my parents were in, um, they were constantly telling them, your son is this, your son has this problem, your son is overactive, give him this medicine, give him that. Um, and, you know, they're good parents. They don't want to, they live in a society, they're starting business there. They don't want to, you know, go against it and be wrong. Um, so they took advice where they could and they tried their best. Once again, so circling back to answer your question, I believe it is a societal problem. I believe that our curriculums for kids these days is just totally, um, totally backwards. You know, like, I'm sure you can look on look on memes online and look on, you know, new people doing research. And there's tons of it showing, you know, our children these days are with all the information at their fingertips, you know, in our curriculum in schools aren't being educated on anything from businesses to taxes, to finances, to getting IDs to, you know, what else is out there besides following the ABCD of, you know, high school, college, marriage, kids, career, um, which is, you know, no disrespect to anyone that does that or is doing that is, is kind of outdated now. We live in different times and there's much more opportunity available. So I guess to answer your question in summation would be um, it's society and it's the curriculums that we have and the kind of put down we do for our, for our young men and even young women, uh, you know, trying to get them to fit in line with the generations before us, what we have done when, um, you know, if we were honest, even my parents' generation, they had to do what they had to do to earn money. But as we are seeing now, like it, it didn't quite work. You know, it doesn't mean destroy the whole system and go into chaos, it means we need, um, you know, a relook and a, and a restructuring of the entire system from the curriculum all the way up, obviously, to the healthcare and the judicial system as well. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%, you know, especially being a young male, and I'm just going to say a, a man of color, you know, there are certain um, 
stipulations, there are certain stereotypes that are placed on you already. So even before you even walk out the door, you already have one, sometimes two strikes already against you. And if you don't fit into this mold of what society thinks you ought to look like, behave like, walk like, talk like, you're already an outcast. So you have so much more you have to fight through in order to be heard, to be seen. But I think you are 100% correct. And we we do need to teach our children not to stifle who they are. And the generations before has definitely done that, right? And they don't realize, and it's not to their you know fault, it's nothing they have done wrong. They've just been taught in a certain way. But in our generation nowadays, things are different. Like kids have access to so much more that we've we didn't even have to worry about, let alone our parents or our grandparents, right? Everything they need is right there at their fingertips. So I think you are 100% correct. We as a society need to make sure that we are setting our children up for success. And our curriculum, they're definitely dropping the ball because we are not even, we don't even teach. And it's more natural, innate entrepreneurs nowadays that are starting out as children and that's something that we really never saw growing up was children bosses. So we have to teach them how to prepare themselves to be successful, prepare them how to keep their books, prepare them how to understand, you know, tax laws and all of that. And we are not doing that in our school systems. Exactly. And to build on that or, or possibly to reverse back and, and lay some more foundation for it which we're not doing in schools at all, I believe, is the the inner work, the internal work, the, the you know, loving yourself, the having grace for yourself, the, the checking yourself, you know, while you're loving yourself and saying, hey, like, you know, I, I didn't show up where I needed to show up there. How do I improve this? Um, I think that alone in itself, if added to the curriculum of high schools, you know, possibly of, of definitely college level people entering college would just increase, you know, so much, so much, you know, positivity in society. And not to mention, I feel like it would, and I think there's studies been done on it that reduces the number of dropouts, and the number of people just taking loans and then dropping out and being stuck with debt. You know, if it, if it starts with kind of like a, a program where, you know, Hey, this is what I want to be. This is who I'm setting my goals for. This is what I want to do. This is where I might run into issues. And this is looking all internal. This is not coming from the outside world. You know, I, I just think that I'm, I really do feel strongly about that being, or should be the foundation of, you know, all curriculums. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, Rocky, when you were dropped off in a whole different country, let us not forget that you were taken from the U.S. to India at 11 or 12 years old to live alone. I want to know what your mindset was, because I know that you touched on that. But also, what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, so um, I have two answers almost now. I've been I've been learning more about nervous system regulation, you know, or emotional system regulations. Um, you know, I thought that as a kid I was just adaptable. I would just adapt to this and that, and in essence, that's what I did. However, um, you know, there's a certain point when we come to to life where we have to struggle to stay alive. You know, our, our instincts kick in, and I believe that's the instinct I was in for much of that time during childhood. Like, hey, there is no option. You're here. You're dropped off figure out what you have to do to survive, to eat, to, to, to live life and do it. Um, and, you know, as harsh as it may seem, and I know my dad didn't have that in mind when he did it, um, that has guided me, you know, through much of my life in, in a very strong and powerful manner. 
um, you know, what I learned at that age, you know, being in India was was independence was, you know, I, this all this stuff society is saying about you need to be 16 to drive, you need to be 18 to do this, you need to be 21 to do this, to get married. Um, you know, those are all just guidelines that a bunch of people, you know, kind of came together and put go to this school, do this and that. And I realized, like, you know, there are other ways to do things There are other options available, you know, within me. You know, because I, before I went to India, I would never be able to imagine as a 10 year old, like, hey, like I can travel the Indian country, you know, on a bus and trains without telling anybody and be OK and fine. You know, it, it came it came as it came in front of me. And um, so that adaptability, you know, and that learning that has, has let me come a long way. It also caused patterns in my life of real of thinking that every situation I'm in is flight or flight. So, you know, as I've gotten older, I've had to kind of regulate that and realize, like, OK, Rocky, you're not 13 dropped off in a random country right now you're 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 feeling this fight or flight because of other things so i need to just calm down breathe and and kind of analyze the situation which you know as a 36 year old with experience in life um i can do that as a 12 year old sitting in india you know with limited experience um i was just in survival mm -hmm. do you think from being in such a situation did that also contribute to you going to prison so that's a tough one. I mean, I, obviously, like, I, I do think that everything is connected. Um, you know, after that, after India, and then after Mexico, there was two or three schools in between from a, you know, Catholic boarding school to a military school, um, you know, where I was around basically 80% kids that were like, deemed as not fit to be able to uh, mingle in, you know, normal society with their peers. So if you think about it, you just jumble up a bunch of kids together that have either violence or anger or family issues or you know, it's, it's not, I, I don't believe that anyone at that age is just innately bad or, or acting bad. It's, in my opinion, it obviously comes from somewhere. Um, and, and that is usually the primary caregivers uh, or the primary area where they're living, whether that be, you know, from the state, from boot camps, from facilities, or from the parents or, you know, siblings. Um, so, I mean, after my last one at 17, when I finally got out of the, you know, same type of physically, sexually abusive programs, I had a chip on my shoulder and I was angry at the world. And, you know, unconsciously, I was going to act that out in doing what I wanted to do without consequence because I'm finally an adult and able to. Um, and so for me, that became um, it became obvious and evident that in this world, like uh, you need to have money. Um, you know, my parents definitely were well off, and, but they weren't just going to be handing me money. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, moving back and forth to Mississippi to Alabama, I saw an opportunity in drugs and at that time, marijuana of how people in Mississippi were paying less and people in Alabama were paying more and I'm going back and forth. So, you know, why not put that together? I have ability and opportunity in my pocket if I do that. Um, and you know, that, that I don't think doing the drugs is a slippery slope. I think the lifestyle is a slippery slope. And I'm sure, uh, the gentleman that was talking about being in prison earlier can probably attest to that. Um, you know, once, once you start going down that road of, of selling, you know, one thing, and you're, you're motivated by the money and, and what the money can do and the lifestyle and what it brings you as far as popularity, as far as being the man, as far as having the woman, um, that that was what enticed me and kind of addicted me to it. So from there, you know, I went to, to harder drugs and to larger deals. And eventually, um, you know, I was the subject of a federal and state joint task force operation where they had, you know, an undercover officer sell to me and, you know, got it on camera and video and audio. Um, and that was what ultimately led to prison. At the very least, it led to my most major charges. 
Um, you do have to understand, like, I'm, I, I cannot ever just blame this on anyone else because I was very hard-headed and, and wild at that age, too. So the, the courts tried to give me a couple of chances here and there, and I was just like, no, I'm not quitting smoking weed for you. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not staying in this country. I'm going to travel how I want to. So as, you know, the years went on, it took, it took about eight years of my life from, you know, start when I got my charges to EOS or end my sentence in Alabama State Prison. Um, throughout that time, you know, I violated many times. They tried to keep me out of prison here and there, but eventually they were just like, they gave me the worst sentence possible for a first-time drug offender in Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, you know, up the road you go. And um, I don't say this lightly, and I don't like to exaggerate it either, but that experience in prison was probably one of the best things that happened to me. Um, and I don't say that in the sense of, oh, I saw God, or I, I got better, or my heart got clean. Like, no, it taught me, it taught me about people. It taught me how to hustle. It taught me um, about the system and the corruptness of it and how to actually play that game. So when I got out of prison, I didn't care anything about, you know, standing, getting in line or doing the right thing. I just got, I was like, oh, if I want to do this lifestyle, I got to use my brain. And then, you know, after I got out of prison for a year or so, maybe two years, I still was in the same lifestyle until finally it came inside of me. They're like, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I don't, I'm having to be so smart and take so much energy to do different phones and to, to keep conversations low here and there and to travel like this and to look over my shoulder and blah, 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 that, you know, it's not, it's not fun anymore. The, the girls, the car, the, the drugs, the money, it doesn't, it's not the risk and reward is not, you know, paying off. Um, and finally that was when like November 3rd or 4th, 2013, I believe is when I was finally like, uh, you know what, this is, I'm done with this. And my father gave me the opportunity of like, Hey, you know, you haven't been coming home as much. You haven't been asking us for these and these questions. You know, your face was ripped off. You were assaulted in that time. You haven't been at home. Like, do you want to leave? Do you want to get away from all this? And, you know, the person who sent me away my whole life was telling me this. And for the first time, there was no anger. I was just like, huh, you know what? I do. And I didn't do it consciously with like, oh, I'm going to change my life and do this and that. I was just like, there's got to be something else out there. This ain't it no more. The money, the, this is not it. This is not what I want. And I believe, like, as far as speaking to anyone else going through this situation or facing it or, or facing family members with it, that is the first step. And that first step, it can be influenced a bit by the outside, by family members and friends, but it has to come from within. Yes. So when it came from within with me, that's when the change started. And that's when I went to India and I said, you know what? The first step I'm going to make, and it's baby steps, is I am never going to go back to selling drugs again. I'm mm-hmm. done with it out of my life. You know I mean, no matter how much good the opportunity is, no matter who influences me, that's done. And I've had a, a crazy roller coaster since then, you know, up and down, getting on drugs a few times, getting addicted to substances again, getting married and divorced, um, you know, even some small legal situations in that time. Um, but since nine years ago, I can definitely, you know, without a doubt say that I have started on a, a forward progress that I haven't, you know, reversed yet. And I hate to scare people saying it, but that's why we do these talks, right? Is like, because usually you can't take shortcuts in life or especially to get to places you want to be. However, in hearing someone else's story and really resonating with it and, and, and understanding it, you're able to kind of shorten that timeline a bit. And that's fast forwarding us. That's kind of why I like to, to speak about it. Um, I do realize that people are in the same situations and it's nothing big, you know, it, it doesn't matter if one person only resonates with this. If that one person clicks, you know, I mean, that could possibly be the biggest click in their life. For me, those people were on YouTube, uh, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, uh, Ralph Smart, 
uh, Joe Dispenza, a lot of these other people that are, that are sharing their stories on there, those clicks happen to me just by listening to them. Mm. You know what? What I love about you so far, Rocky, is that, number one, you're just open and honest and very, very transparent, and I honor you for that. Because like you said, if we can impact one person, one young person, one anybody that may be on the same route that you're on, then that's a win. But also, I haven't heard you place blame on anybody else. You have been accountable. And for me, that's huge because I think change also comes with accountability, right? And one thing that you just said that resonated with me is when someone is going through a situation, and I want people to hear me when I say this, you can offer up all of these resources. You can throw all of these things in their way, but until they get to that point to where they are done, they have to make that conscious decision and say, you know what, I want something different. And I don't wanna say it's a lost cause, but it's gonna be extremely difficult for them to really grasp what it is that you're trying to give them. Because if they don't want the help, if, if they aren't ready, then it's not gonna work. And I really want people to know that. And what I heard you say was you finally got to that point to where you were, you were sick and tired of being sick and tired, you right? <laughs> and it was time for a change. And I honor you for that. But I want you to tell our audience, so, Tell us, tell us about your success story, because we understand your background. We understand, you know, some of the struggles you have had to endure, but you persevered through and you are now a successful entrepreneur. So tell us about some of your businesses, because I know you have several. So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, I definitely I took the the slower route. You know, I, I did the internal work, external work at different times, maybe backwards, some might call it. Um, but it started with um, the motivation for me was after leaving that lifestyle, I wanted you know to have a family. I was like, oh, the next right thing to do. And I might have been wrong. I might have been ready. I was like, oh, I need to have a wife now and a family and then, you know, make money for my wife and family. Um, so check mark, check mark. I did that. <laughs> the relationship lasted, you know, less than 18 months, but I, I learned possibly more than I have from any other relationship mm -hmm. before that in my life about myself, because that's what relationships do for us. They're mirrors of ourselves and they show us where we need improvement as well. Um, but I wrote a business plan while I was sitting in Alabama State Prison uh, with a buddy of mine um, that ran the drug program there with me. We were the student teachers. And we were brainstorming all kinds of business plans. He had a cell phone snuck in and we would call his family and like ask them about prices and this and that. And on a one page sheet of paper, um, I had a business plan for hair and I still have that piece of paper framed in my office back in LA. Um, but that was when I was in India, I was looking what to do. I didn't know what I want to do in my life. I was like searching for like staying in India or coming back to America or a liquor store there or a bar or club or like a marketing company or fabric. And then I saw that hair business plan um, from that, I made um, one Facebook post and started doing research. And the Facebook post just kind of jumped off. All my friends from high school, like, yo, Rock, you got hair? Like, call us when you get back. We want the hair. We want the hair. Um, and this is where my my hustle mentality, my, 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 my younger years kind of kicked in naturally. Instead of making a logo or making a pretty website or getting a bunch of hair or doing 
everything that people say you need to do in business right now, spending money, um, I decided to make money. How do I start making money on this? Get the product, package it properly, get it, get it sold. And I didn't waste any time on that. That was like day one. I'm like, I'm making sales. And I've kept that, you know, until eight years later. Obviously, in those eight years, I have learned. I've literally went to college properly. I actually feel like now I have an education. I went to college for four years. I graduated from college. I graduated from high school. I don't feel like I was very much so educated by any of that. But trying this business and starting it has been a beautiful education for me. I mean, if and, and this is like I believe this is at the heart of every entrepreneur, anybody who's, you know, started it at nothing and made it to where they are. You can take all that away at any time. The skills I've developed, the tools I've learned, I will build it right back again. You know, whether it be the same product or a different one or a different service. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that process and journey, once again, would be like a whole in-depth conversation. Um, but for me, it was disciplining myself to do certain tasks each day. Most of it was on the computer and learning at the same time uh, while I was making sales. Um, and me, I'm a very personal, in-person, face-to-face type of person. Uh, so I would go to trade shows. I would call random salons and show up there and bring them my product and sample it out. And this is 24, I'm still 24 seven, like, and for me, it just doesn't, I don't feel like I'm working ever. So I have to check myself like, hey, Rocky, like you are working, slow down a little bit sometimes. And I've only done it recently, but I implemented that a long time ago. I would have 15 tabs on my screen and force myself to pay attention to Pinterest for a minute, YouTube, AdWords, Bing, and the website, and then PayPal, and then building the systems and the spreadsheets. And I would say, I don't know what to do on this right now, but I'm gonna look at it for 10 minutes and figure something out to make some progress. So I began like that, just um, just realizing that, okay, Rocky, um, this is big for people getting out of the lifestyle and prison mentality. You are breaking ties with the identity that you place in yourselves, actually, the society co-signed and that you believe. And that's not you anymore. So you are starting over fresh as a baby. As scary as that may seem, when you have a clean slate, when you're starting over from zero, when you're at that place, you don't have much to lose. You know, you just you just try everything, try it all and keep going. And I just kept doing that um, after five to six years, um, you know, of being on the East Coast and coming to L.A., things started clicking. I started learning more about business, about ads. I started learning, you know, delivering my topics and speech better about how to sell here. Um, and things just kind of worked together. We went from doing, you know, five thousand a month barely and like celebrating like crazy five thousand a month. Like, yes, to to 100K in a month. And, you know, at 5K, I had no idea what 100K looked like. I just knew that if I kept going forward, something is happening. Daily progress, daily working on this. I can barely see it. I can barely feel it. But something is happening. So I'm not going to stop it. Um, and, and recently in life, I've actually internalized that to my personal inner work as well. Some days are not as good. Some days I might wake up with bad energy or have not the best interactions. But I'm aware of it. I realize it and say, okay, check yourself, Rob. What'd you do here? You had an argument with somebody. Okay, go take some time on the beach. Go breathe. Think about it. Let yourself feel it and realize where you went wrong on it. And I'm making small progress out of myself each day. And as entrepreneurs and business people, I do firmly believe that those things coincide and correlate 100% with each other. The more we work on ourselves, the more we build our foundation, even physically working out, taking care of ourselves, the more it relates to the business. So the past four or five years, um, that's exactly what I've done. Just double down on everything in myself, uh, you know, everything from my eating habits, to my working out habits, to my interpersonal relations, um, to, you know, yoga, meditation, breath work. Um, and it's all shown in my businesses and also it's given me the ability to start other businesses. You know, um, I was looking at the Airbnb business for quite a while and I finally had enough cash, you know, about three years ago to say, okay, like instead of 
paying someone to rent something out and then re-rent it again, if I'm cash ready and I'm getting a great deal, let me go ahead and invest in this asset and and see what happens. Once again, everybody, just like the hair business, like laughed a little bit. You can't do it by yourself. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try though. And within six months, I was like, this is, this is easier than my hair business. Like it literally takes some focus for a few months, building a system and then being disciplined and dedicated to it and having a system that takes care of it from there out and out for you. Um, so that is actually Rocky's Rentals LLC, where I have one property uh, in Florida, one uh, property in LA, and I'm looking to, the property in LA I haven't bought, I'm working with someone else on that. And now during the tough time of the market, I am looking to arbitrage or basically re-rent, rent, and re-rent. Uh, however, I still am, like, I, one, one thing, once you, let me just throw this in there, it's easy to make money, it really is, once you start learning the buttons and what to do, no matter what industry you're in. It's not easy, as easy to keep that money and to do the smart thing with it. Um, and I've had, I've learned on both sides from personal experience, but I have stayed, you know, cash ready for this economy and, and the next, you know, I don't know, drop in prices or, or whatever may happen, you know, months coming up. Um, so that business is going to tend to expand. Uh, five years ago, the CBD industry started booming. And I had a funny feeling about it because I started realizing that these fads are popping up everywhere from Bitcoin to this. This is the new best amazing thing. Let me, you know, tread lightly. So with CBD, I just I took a very small, almost no investment um, and just wanted to have a foot in the door in the industry with tea. So, you know, tea is something that, you know, older people, younger people both can accept and enjoy nothing, a very entry level type of product. Um, and the sales in that company haven't been, you know, quite amazing. Uh, but, you know, we are it has opened the doors for many other opportunities as far as wholesale dealings and, you know, and connections for other businesses as well. So and I'm, I'm not, you know. I'm not this crazy, like I want to start every business type of guy, but I mean, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I'm constantly, you know, thinking of other ideas, thinking of new business plans and, and where I've came to now, a lot of me wants to spread this message. And I, I find myself struggling on making it a business um, because I just, I, it goes against, you know, my, my morals of like what, what this, this line of work should be about. And I don't even want to call it work. This is just us humans sharing our souls with each other and motivating and encouraging others. So as they say, it takes a village, you know, to, to raise a kid or influence a community. Um, this work is the most important. You know, so as the years have went on, we've seen healthcare and, and the mental health profession especially cost more and more and, and rape the insurance companies more and more that ends up hurting the taxpayer. It's just became like a joke to me. You know, even now, every other person we know is a life coach or a business coach or a healer. Um, and I, I, and the majority of those people, I see people who have good intentions and good heart, but eyes with dollar signs in them, you know, and so I just don't want to, I, I want to do that in a business sense. So I wanted to, and I've in turn been like, you know what, this is going to be my passion project. And the thing I do that fills my heart up, you know, instead of just like looking to coach and looking to make a course and here's how you hear yourself, here's how you get better. Um, I just want to be able to share my side. And if someone clicks with it, great. If they don't, you know, they'll find someone else. And meanwhile, work on the things that are fun to me, which are just starting new businesses. And yeah, you know, I love the fact that you are so non-conventional because I am the exact same way. <laughs> I am an entrepreneur at heart, and when people see everything that I do, you know, from the hair care product, and we need to connect. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yes, yes, and the hair business is huge. And when people say they use the term oversaturated. I don't believe in that because it's only one Rocky. It's only one Kiever. It's only one of you. So we all bring something different to the table. But 
it's about how can we bring those resources together to impact our community. And I love the fact that you see a need and you feel a need and you are literally living your heart's purpose. And that's something that most people just cannot seem to do. They want to do it, but they just cannot seem to get themselves organized enough to do that. So I love the fact that you are the epitome of just living your best life. And even though you were handed harsh realities, you turn those into learn, learnable and teachable moments. And that's so important. I feel like everything that we go through in life, of course, it affects us because we are the individual going through it. However, I believe there is a test in every situation and we can, it's our responsibility to use what we have endured to help teach and reach and bring others behind us. So I'm so grateful for you for doing that. I want to ask you before we close, because you said you're not a coach or anything like that, sir, you are definitely a coach. And I feel like you should definitely be putting your story to pen and paper. You need a book. You need yeah. a book. And that's what I've kind of came to. I've like, I've, I've really tried to like think about the coaching thing and want to dive into it. And it's just, it's just so disconnected these days with me. I was like, you know what? Like, let me start writing the book. And I, I have, I'm working on yeah. two different books. Like, you know, one with like my journals from a younger age and one with like the full story outlined and just kind of like with my perspective and my like growth and my maturity that I've had now looking back at those same journal entries back then. So it's a work in progress. I'm doing a lot of things. So like the book is, it's, it's, it, I, I'm still very like, I have to really get focused and sit down. So like nowadays when I do write something in my book, I have to like take a train somewhere else, shut my phone off, have a quiet cabin with trees around. And then I'm like, okay, nothing else is available to me right now. Let me type, you know, like, yeah. And you do move around a lot. Listen, if you're just joining us, we have Rocky Candola here. He has gone from prison to entrepreneurial success. I believe that he is the epitome of you can take those bad experiences, those tough uh, life lessons and definitely triumph from those and turn them into fuel and power to be able to live a successful life. And I truly believe that he has definitely done that. So if you want to get connected with him, definitely reach out to him on his social media. You can find everything that he does. Follow him on Instagram at Rocky Candola at Rocky Candola. You can also visit his website at www.rockycandola.com. Again, that's www.rockycandola.com. If you are a, a um, previous felon and if you wanting to start your own business, you have a resource that you can reach out to right here. I'm sure that he definitely would not mind just talking to you, coaching with you, whatever you need. So definitely reach out to him because he is somebody that has walked the walk and he can talk the talk. So definitely reach out to him. Rocky, do you have any any upcoming events? Anything um, coming up? Uh, so at the end of the year, Q4 is coming up. I, this is the time of the year I kind of get accounting and kind of retreat inwards a little bit. Um, so nothing major this year, but coming out in January, I'll start sharing a lot of different projects that I'll be you know talking about. On the last thing you said about prisoners wanting to reach out, I mean, honestly, if that's your story or background, I, I want to work with you. I'm not trying to ask for any money, anything. Pick up the phone, call me. We can have a chat. I'm sure there is a way we can connect, learn from each other, or get you started 
on one of the businesses I'm working with. And that's that's where my heart is as far as business goes. Like people that have been through the same, the same things as I have, especially when it comes to having that stigma of our judicial system in prison on your shoulders in this country. Um, all of us need to be working towards these things mutually together. I love it. I love it. Again, his website is www.rockycandola.com. He has already given you the invitation, so definitely reach out to him. I know it will be a life uh, changing experience connecting with him. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Rocky. Of course, you're welcome back at Kiever's Place at any time. You There is just so much to unpack, so definitely come back. Any any upcoming projects coming up in 2023, if you just want a platform to just help you get it out there, you are family now, so definitely feel free to come back. I'm, I'm going to allow you the opportunity to give any final words before I do that. Definitely, um, we have a, an additional comment before we go. Jamika Burgess said, thank you for this information. It was very helpful. Thank You're you, welcome. Definitely reach out to him, Jamika. Definitely reach out to him. Um, Rocky, he was the young man that said that he was a felon before. He's an ex-felon before. So Jamika, definitely reach out to him with any questions, resources that you need. I, I'm positive that Rocky can definitely help you to get on the right track if that is something that you are needing. Um, let's see. I think that's everybody. I don't want to miss anyone. Okay, so before we close, we're going to um, give Rocky the opportunity for in fine, any final words. Before we, we do that, if you are still interested in getting um, a couple of my books that I have co-authored, you can definitely visit my link tree. Everything is right there. We're still working on the website. So right now, go to link tree forward slash keep a murder. We still have some copies still available. So thank you all for joining us. And Rocky, the floor is yours for any final words. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think I'd like to address, you know, the younger generation as, you know, they are responsible for and going to be who will lead us and who will help us and who will grow our futures. Um, as a young person, um, I believe right now that the most important thing you can do and, and, you know, for yourself and for society is really, really work on yourself, um, the inner work all the answers you want of what you're looking to find are within you. And this world, our world needs your authenticity. We don't need, um, you know, the copycats on Instagram or the social media profiles. We want you, whoever you are, your authentic being to come out and share that with the world. And, and you'll find that voice faster than anything, keeping the wrong people away from you, the right people with you and looking within. A lot of times we get so caught up in all this information out there that we think it has to be out there. There's definitely value in it. However, when it comes down to it, those answers are going to come from within. Um, and we all, I believe we all innately know the difference between good and bad and, and virtuous and non-virtuous. Um, so follow that path of your highest calling, the highest good in you, the highest version of yourself that you see. Make a plan, follow through with it, be disciplined with it. And I'm telling you, all your wildest dreams and beyond that will be coming true. I love it and very sound advice. Thank you so much. Well, family, thank you so much for joining Keeper's Place tonight. You are welcome back anytime. Come back next Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we will do it all over again. So until next time, continue to share, connect, and glow, because building your network 
also builds your net worth. So peace and blessings. I love y'all much. See you next week. Thanks, Rocky. Thank you. Y'all have a good night. Thank you for watching Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murdoch Show and Podcast. Tune in every Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Kiever's Place. To be a guest on our show, text the word guest to 803-368-3030 or visit us at tinyurl.com slash Kiever's Place book and watch us on apple tv roku and amazon fire as we're broadcasting in more than 60 million homes worldwide